What's up guys, this is Corey Baker from Baker Forge and Tool. In my business, we do tons of heavy grinding every single day, and we needed a grinder that could take abuse and keep on trucking without slowing down billet production. The Ameribraid Variable Speed 2x72 is just that. All heavy duty parts and framing with well thought out accessories that are easy to use and not bogged down with lots of tiny parts. By far the best accessory item that Ameribraid sells is their surface grinding attachment. It is absolutely foolproof and the best in the industry. With quick release magnet system, there is no prying your workpiece off the platen. Very fast to slap a billet or a knife onto the table, engage magnets, and start surfacing with precise increments. On top of all of this, their customer support is outstanding. Eric and Kevin are always available and fast to help with any situation. If you're in the market for a top-of-the-line grinder or maybe just an accessory to add to your existing setup, go to AmeriBraid.com and use the code HUSTLE100 for 100 bucks off any grinder package. All right, next up, the Hustle & Grind Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Hustle and Grind podcast. I'm Noah from Inniet River Forge. With me, as always, Ryan from Ryan Shadborn Knife Works. Our guest today is Tyler Hackbarth from Wolf River Forge. How you doing, man? Oh, not too shabby. How about you guys? Doing Dude. all right, man. Doing all right. So I just want to jump in real quick to give our listeners a little bit of an introduction. Um most of them probably have heard of you. You are a two-time Forge and Fire champion, and I, again, you, Wolf River Forge on Instagram. Uh, if you don't, if if any listeners out there don't follow Tyler, I highly recommend you go uh, check him out. You are a U.S. Army veteran, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And then you were on, correct me if I'm wrong here, I, I think you were on the Battle of the Branches uh, episode on Force and Fire, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct as well. So, was it, that was like a couple different episodes, wasn't it? Where you had to kind of, it started off, it was kind of Army versus Army guys, Navy versus Navy guys, and then it, it kind of tiered up until finally they got all those contestants into one show. Right. Yeah. So it started with, you know, four guys in each one of the four episodes and they had, you know, the army branch, obviously, which I started in um, the Navy, the air force and the Marines. And I mean, you, you go into that, you know, knowing that it's going to be this big tournament thing, but you still, you have no idea what you're going into, who you're going up against, you know, as anybody who's gone on fortune fire kind of knows. And I tell you after, you know, pulling through and taking the win for the army episode, there was a small part of me that was just like, I kind of wish this would be over right now because now <laughs> I have to go through this all again <laughs> and go against the other three winners, you know, complete uncertainties again. You know, how good are these guys going to be? You know, how hard is this challenge going to be? And, you know, luckily I went into that and then came out on top as well. So nice. Right on, man. And, so are those the only two shows that you've been on on Forge and Fire or were you back after that? I, I feel like I remember. Yeah. So I actually, I did go back on um, for Forge and Fire Beat the Judges and um, that was a pretty good one as well. Uh, ended That's up right. going against Ben Abbott, which in a super, I mean, splitting hairs type of competition, you know, feeling like that could have went either way. Um, 
and the win went to Ben. But, you know, it was a good fight, and uh, Ben's a great competitor and just an all-around good dude to talk to as well. Um, you know, but he came out on top, and it is what it is. The uh, money that he won for his charity actually went to uh, Dark Horse Forge, which, you know, they um, they pride themselves in taking veterans in and teaching veterans how to make knives and stuff like that. So, I mean, I wouldn't have wanted to see that go to any other cause than that right there. So it was still a win in my book. Nice. That's always the, the, the best outcome. That's, that's super cool. Yeah. <laughs> right on, man. Well, sorry. <laughs> um, so the, uh, the, the, the beat the judges, that was like a totally different show than the normal forge and fire, right? Like that's, that wasn't even, were they even calling that forge and fire or was that just sort of a, its own separate deal? So it was, it was still forged in fire, but it was forged in fire, beat the judges. And, you know, the layout, while there were still some similarities, was still completely different. And everybody that went on there was a previous champion in one way or another. Um, and we had a very short amount of time before actually showing up there to film the episode to make a blade in our own style within their parameters. And I want to say it was um, like a 14 to 16 inch blade in your own style must have mechanical or mechanical connection. And those were the parameters right there. Like no idea what they're going to test it on anything at all. Um, you know, so we had a short amount of time to make those blades and ship them out. Boom. And we showed up and they went right into testing with those blades that we made at home. Um, and then from there, you know, I mean, I pulled through and ended up, uh, going against Ryu Lim, great Smith. Um, and then it was like a regular home forge, you know, but except for the fact that we had to harvest uh, some crazy random steels out of a big crate and metal drums and all sorts of other crap with sledgehammers. <laughs> and I mean, it was just, you know, we had like a couple minutes, bust into all this stuff and get whatever steel you can get. And we're getting, you know, like quarter inch rod drill grates and you know we each got a crowbar and like one little piece of leaf spring and a huge chunk of elevator cable and i was just like oh man this is gonna be fun this is the only so steel put, you can use for your blade they just put together the nastiest shit they could find and just said hey have fun right. with this yeah pretty much yeah oh you guys are gonna have a great time here <laughs> one little hunk of leaf spring and oh and you must use at least two of them in your build, I think it was. I don't remember if it was used to or you can only, I know you can only use that steel for your blade. So you could still, you know, make a Damascus guard or a pommel or something like that. But the blade itself had to be made out of only the steel that you collected during the challenge. So that was a little bit rough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what what steel is this and how do I heat treat it? That's, uh... oh, right. That's, that's, that's the and... challenge challenge right there. Right, and what's going to give me enough steel to even make a 27-inch sword that has to be, I want to say it was like two and a half or three inches wide at where like the clip came back on the nine-ring broadsword at a minimum width right there. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was that one. Okay. See, I, I meant to go back and kind of watch some. It's been a while since I've watched Forge and Fire. So I meant to kind of go back and try and familiarize myself before this conversation. But I apologize. I've been sick all week. So I've been trying to just recover. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was the that was the nine ring sword where you had the actual rings set in the spine, right? Yep. That's so a, was, that's a there was, fancy one. Was, yeah. And there was. The nice thing was that one of the steals they gave us was that quarter-inch round um, 01 that, you know, we had a whole bunch of straight bars that were, like, you know, a little tacked together, gotcha. like, great. So I was able to just pop that apart and make a little jig to wrap them around nice and hot and then popped them through the holes that were there before heat treat with nice chamfers on them and just twisted them close, tack welded them shut, boom, nine rings. Nice. All right. Well, that makes it a little bit easier, I guess. Right. <laughs> Did they talk about the, the function of those nine rings? Like what, what was the, uh, the purpose his, historically behind that? Do you know? Um, so, you know, I did a little bit of reading on it, obviously when I did the build, um, and obviously I could be wrong here, but there, there was a lot of, um, you know, training in, the in the Asian culture with the nine ring broadsword and just like the shifting of the weight as the rings would go forward as well as just, you know, being a loud monstrous weapon to just scare enemies and stuff. Yeah. I guess, uh, intimidation is probably a, a, a solid force to have when you're on the battlefield. Oh, absolutely. I, I, Man, I, guess I mean, you would probably know about that, right? Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> We're always uh, doing our best to severely outgun the enemies. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid putting rocks inside of a wiffle ball bat because it would crack when the <laughs> rocks hit the end of the bat. That's kind of like the same idea. Yeah, pretty much. You pretty much had yeah. a nine ring wiffle ball bat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, let's uh, let's let's swing right into that. So you were in the veteran for or sorry, you're a uh, army veteran. Uh, how long were you in for? I spent six years on active duty in the infantry. Damn. All right. Excuse me. No, still trying dying. to get some uh, still trying to get some tickles out of my throat there. I keep coughing in between <laughs> words here. Uh, this is terrible. Uh, so uh, you. Uh, did you, what, uh, were you in, uh, Iraq, Afghanistan? Uh, did you spend some time overseas? Yeah. So I spent, uh, 15 months straight in Iraq during the surge, uh, 2007 to 2008. And, um, the first year pretty much we spent down in the Baghdad, Sadr city area. And then, uh, our final three months we spent up in Northern Iraq and Mosul, uh, did a lot of, Capturing high-value targets, um, you know, cordons and raids, finding weapons caches, um, and just, I mean, nonstop, nonstop patrols, you know, nonstop craziness, uh, firefights, IEDs, um, lost, you know, lost some good guys, but, uh, you know, that experience, it, it made me who I am today and made me who I am as a knife maker, which is that determination and resiliency and everything that I do. Yeah. There's there. I, I, I know a lot of, uh, I know a lot of guys who have been over there. Um, 
some who didn't come back. Uh, but the, the mindset that most of those guys have that did come back is nothing else is really a challenge for them. I mean, I don't want to say nothing, but I mean, uh, you know, the, the things that, that some of us look at as challenges are just part of the operation to, to them. You know, it's, you know, things that we would consider to be setbacks are just, yeah, that's just part of it, man. You know, and right. it, it definitely sure. definitely <laughs> seems to it just de- definitely seems to give you a different mindset in in the way that you go about your daily life. Right, absolutely. You know, and and just you saying that, you know, so like when I went on Fortune Fighter, obviously, you know, like I said, you have no idea what you're going up against. But you walk out there, you keep your head held high, you know, and you're presented with that challenge and, you know, nail those parameters down in your skull and remember them. And, you know, within seconds, as soon as I know what that challenge is, I'm developing a plan in my head. Okay, here's exactly what I need to do. You know, I can't hang up too much or too much time on this. I can't, you know, do this or do that. I can't make it absolutely perfect because let's be honest, three hours, you know, to make a blade is not a lot of time. Um, But, you know, you you, you got to tell yourself what the priority are, priorities are. What do you have to get done right? You know, heat treat, blade shape, meet the parameters, make a comfortable handle. And if something happens, you know, or something hangs up on you, you just, you have to think, you can't panic. Find a workaround, find a different way to do it, find a way to do it faster, whatever. And, you know, it's that army mindset that you know, a lot of people tell me, like, you don't even look like you were phased at all. You weren't nervous, you weren't nothing. And it's, Sure, I was nervous. Who isn't nervous going on that show? But, but nobody I was, was shooting at you. Right, exactly. I'm like, it's going to be totally worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just right. you focus on what you have to do and just block everything else out. Forget that there's a camera three feet away from your face watching your every move. And, you know, forget that the judges are yelling at you from 20 feet away and just do what you have to do to complete the challenge. That's awesome. That's man. why you won twice. Right. <laughs> Evidently. <laughs> right on, man. Well, hey, uh on this show we like to uh we like to play some silly games. And one of the things we like to do with our guests, uh, just to kind of get some quick and fast information out of you so that we can kind of get to know you a little bit, is play a little game of this or that where I just throw out two options and you got to go with one of those options and tell me the, the, the lesser of the two evils. So okay. fast pace. I'm going to throw these at you. Tell me what you got. Okay. Here we go. Growth or security. Ooh, growth. If you're not See growing, the future you're or just, I was going to say, if you're not growing, you're just standing still. Yeah. See the future or change the past? Ooh, I'm going to say see the future. Curly yeah. Koa or Maple Burl? Curly Koa every day. Ooh. <laughs> That's a Air hard guitar? One. That's not a hard one. It's Koa every <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> air guitar or air drums? Ooh, air guitar for sure. Play my heart out. Test the waters. <laughs> test the waters or dive in the deep end. Dive in the deep end. 
shock and get it over with. <laughs> uh, this is, I didn't, I didn't write this down, but this is kind of in relation to like Damascus patterns here, simple and bold or complex and high layer. Complex and high layer. Chocolate or vanilla. Ooh, chocolate. Pizza or tacos? Taco pizza. <laughs> nice. <Damn it>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, way too spicy or way too sour? Ooh. Ooh. Way too spicy, for sure. <laughs> Sanmai or Damascus? Damascus Sanmai. Damn it to hell. Boxers or briefs? Neither. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Spend 15 uh, months wow. wearing like 100 pounds of gear. You want to wear as little as possible. <clears throat> okay. All right. Uh, last one here. Uh, step on a Lego or smack your pinky toe on a coffee table. Ooh, I'm going to step on that Lego every time. All right, there we go. I'm going to say I, I have to agree with you on that last one. I think that's why yeah, they call I mean, it I... Commando. Right. Hey, hey, maybe. Wait, is it? <laughs> I think so. I, I think know. that's why I they call it Commando. About that. That's a good point, no, I mean, Ryan. when you're, you know, it's, it's 120 to 130 degrees over there. You're literally sweating your nutsack off. No matter what you wear, what, you know, half hour in when you're completely drenched in sweat it, there, there's nothing you can do so just get rid of it and I'm sorry how much gear did you like how many pounds worth of gear do you say you're wearing oh it would vary anywhere from 60 to 100 pounds I mean I would say yeah. our, our vests alone with armor plates are probably pushing 30 pounds Damn. Yeah, I'm a I'm a bitch when I go to the gym. I thought I thought I was doing pretty good, but man, never mind. I take it back. <laughs> Just change it up and put on a plate carrier, and then do everything, and then slowly add things onto it. Like start with like one fully loaded mag, then bump it up to three, and then seven for a full combat load, and then just sling a I rifle. I don't know how the people at I don't know how the people at Planet Fitness would feel about that. Ooh, yeah, they like they don't like to hurt people's feelings. You might want to switch to like any time. I think they'd allow it. Oh, okay. All right. Is that true? You can't <laughs> grunt at Planet Fitness. You can't be like Ugh! with a bar or they'll kick you out. Is that true? I don't know. Uh, I They have like this big light on the wall. That's like the lunk alarm. And they have like a definition oh, yeah. of lunk, which is like somebody who, who like slams weights or grunts or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I've never that's seen it go off though. So. I've only been I, in I one, just go one there. time and <laughs> I just I just go there. I don't talk to anybody. I, I lift my weights. I have my headphones in the whole time. I wave to the person on my way out. That's that's pretty much it. I just go there, do my thing, and leave. Right. Just pick things up, put it's, them down. It's pretty chill. Exactly. My whole life I thought well not my whole life, but like I, I've all yeah my whole life. I've always had like a, a physical job. Like I've never sat behind a desk before. So 
my whole life, I was like, I don't, I don't need to go to the gym. You know, I, I torque head bolts for a living. Like, why do I need to go to the gym? And then I started going to right. the gym and I'm like, Oh no, this actually feels really good. Now I understand why people go here. This makes sense. Yeah. And blue collar muscles oh, right. are different than weightlifting <clears throat> muscles. Well, like, that, you know, I'd challenge tw- anybody to a thumb wrestling contest. You know what I mean? Being a mechanic <laughs> like you. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, we've got them. We've got we're, we got them lined up for uh, for for Blade Show. There's multiple people that want want in on this trade versus trade uh, thumb wrestling competition. So it's going to be mechanics versus carpenters versus I don't remember who else was in there. Maybe a plumber. I can't remember. So mechanics all right away. day, bro. Yeah, you can oh, yeah. have all a, day uh, long knuckle smashing contest, and then a <laughs> smash a finger with a hammer contest. <laughs> who can take more you're like you smash my knuckles all day i do this all the time this is this is easy yeah all day like, son you mean this club oh, i've smashed this seven thousand times yeah absolutely yeah. i had somebody giving me grief for the way that i was holding my hammer with my thumb and i told him i was like dude i don't have wimpy little carpenter thumbs like you like my my thumbs are made out of solid steel like i don't have to worry about it like some people <laughs> Right. That just kind of evolved into this whole thing. It's it's gotten a little out of, out of hand. I, I have to watch my mouth sometimes. Uh, yeah, that takes a fun. Actually, it, believe it or not, I I got I got the closest to getting sent to HR that I ever have at my job this last week. Nice. Uh, that means you're doing it right. Right. You're doing it right. You're pushing <laughs> the limit. See. See. We, my, my buddies at work have always said that like if we ever worked a regular job, we would get sent to HR on a daily basis, and we'd probably lose our jobs within several weeks. Like it wouldn't last long. Um, but we upped the ante because there's this one individual who um, we've just been kind of psychologically torturing over the last week and a half, uh, maybe two mm-hmm. weeks now. Um, and it got to the point where he got so mad that he ripped his computer screen off the wall and like oh, somehow damn. that was my fault. Um, so anyways, you know, uh, it was all good. My boss is super cool. My boss thought it was actually kind of funny. So it actually worked out for me in the end. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I was, I was told I wasn't allowed to mess with his computer anymore, <laughs> but, but, You'll you'll note there. I was told specifically I wasn't allowed to mess with his computer anymore. So, right, I will not there mess no with other his computer. No other guidelines were given. <laughs> right. I will not mess with his computer. Doesn't mean you can't mess with anything his chair, else. His desk. And well, and, here, let me get your guys' opinion on this. Do do the keyboard and mouse count as part of his computer? Yeah. Dang it! Technically, right, I had plans well, for the mouse. Hold on, hold on. Are they are they Bluetooth or are they wired? Ooh, that's a good point. I'll have to check. I don't I mean, know if they're wired. They're technically attached to the computer, right? But if they're not, then those are separate. You can be like, that's a good I point. didn't know that mouse was connected to his computer wirelessly. I can't see rays in the air. Am, am I am I psychic? How am I supposed to know that? Yeah. Right. What am I, Maybe it's yeah, just me, but <laughs> every every job I've ever had, we've fucked with each other. Like 
bad. Like well, my coworkers yeah, now, I've literally boring. Yeah, right. I've I've literally sprayed the front of his shirt with solvent and just lit him on fire. There you go. <laughs> Fucking mouth off again. Yeah, we're not uh, supposed to light people on fire anymore either, though. He chews tobacco <laughs> and he spits into paper to paper cups and he leaves them everywhere. So when Ooh. I when he leaves them in my work area, I take him before he gets there, put him on his bench and put his favorite tools in it. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta See, like, and that that's his find his car keys one day, like on his toolbox. Boom. Oh. <laughs> he put a dead He's mouse under my windshield wiper one day. So we found like this dead bloated mouse inside of a lawnmower and he put it under my windshield wiper and it was mm. like raining that day and I didn't notice it. So I got in my car and turned the wipers on and it was just like, bleh, bleh, like swiping a dead mouse across my windshield. So yeah. before, he, before he came out, I whipped out my valve stem tool real quick and I took all four of his valve stems and left. Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> I actually put a uh, live mouse in a guy's toolbox at, or not in his toolbox, in his lunchbox at work one time. Somebody came over and like nice. threw this mouse at me, and it was small and it was like slow and stunned. And I'm like, I know what I'm going to do with this. So I picked it up. Dude was in the bathroom, <laughs> not running his machines. Went over there, dropped it in his lunchbox, zipped it back close, waited for him to eat his lunch. <laughs> We wow. found one that was it like was doing like a surfer pose that was like mummified and we super glued its feet to one of them little skateboards, like a tech deck skateboard. Oh my gosh. I don't know whatever happened should, to it, but he hung around the shop for a while. Of this. <laughs> I've got probably Most two hours of videos of, uh. of my brother and he, my brother used to work with us and uh, my coworker fucking with each other. Like I, I've posted a couple of them, but there's just too many. Like my brother, yeah. my brother would take old lawnmower belts and just walk up behind him and whap, like whip him oh, right in the back with it. That's brutal, man. Those things are harsh. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Big, big, like solid hydraulic line. That stuff's pretty harsh too. Like, have you have you ever like Ooh. whipped somebody with that? No, dude. That'll take <laughs> off chunks. That's bad. <laughs> yeah. That's rough. Uh, like, I'm thinking yeah. like the hydraulic lines on my press. Like that's not yeah, small. No, exactly like that. Exactly like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it basically looks like it. it well, it, it looks like basically like five eighths like heater hose, right? If you if you look at it, if you don't look too close, it just looks like a heater hose. But it's actually I mean, like four times heavier, and it's got some some hefts to it. That's oh, mean. yeah. It, it, it's it got, is. you know, braided wire inside the hose. Yeah. Give it mm -hmm. some weight. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really buddies... good at uh, whipping okay. towels from working in restaurants so long. Like, I can whip oh. a towel. Oh. My coworker yeah. Chancey was mouthing off one day, and I, I just took my shop towel, and I dunked it in some water. And I just walked Ooh, up yeah. to him and whoop up Took a hole right out of his shirt. Drew blood on his back. No. He's like, ah! oh, yeah. I was like, I told you. You can yeah. break skin for sure. 
Yeah, I've yeah. exploded the ends of towels. Like you, you get them whipped hard enough, and they're wet, and the tip will just go poof into like nothing. It just turns to dust. <laughs> I actually we forgot about shut, that. Yeah, we used to shut machines off when we, when it was slow in the restaurant. You'd be like, see if you can flick that switch with the towel, and you turn the machine off, turn it back on. <laughs> yeah, we back when I did my time in the restaurant industry, uh, we used to. Uh, when it, I mean, in the summertime, you would wear shorts in the kitchen and there's bare skin. I mean, you'd go home with just welts all over your calves from constant just being like whipped back and forth with those towels. I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was brutal. I one of the things I hated the most when I was cooking is if another cook was losing his temper because that shit's contagious. And then, like, oh, you yeah. just go down. You go downhill from there. Oh, yeah. So I was I was cooking with a guy one time and he starts flipping out. So I just grabbed the spatula and I stuck it in the fryer and I held it there for a second. And oh my gosh. Touched the back of his arm with it. Right on the back of his arm. He's like, yeah. I was like, see, there's worse things to be mad about. <laughs> I was like, keep cooking, bro. Chill the fuck out. Oh, <laughs> uh, he told I, me I later somebody... on he legitimately thought about fighting me in that moment. And I was like, dude, come <laughs> on, just chill out. I probably would have. You get that rage going. Yeah. Well, <laughs> for for me, it's like whenever I smack my head, I like the problem is, is that when you smack your head, like when you're in your stall at work, like by yourself, you smack your head on like a uh, control arm or the lift arm. That's pretty bad. It's like this, this like pure rage just like washes over you. Like for some reason, like getting smacked in the head is like the one thing that pisses me off. And well, mechanics in general, I, I think it's not just me. It just pisses you off more than anything else. The problem is, is that it's entirely your fault. So it makes you even more. Oh, mad. Right. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know what does and that I'm, I'm for the me way. in the lawnmower? Nice. <laughs> you know what does it for me? And it's not really mad. It's like, ugh, like you're just gross the fuck out. I do small engines. So when I've got a lawnmower on a lift and you look under the deck and it's just like a forest of mold. And you oh, have to stand yeah. you stand under the deck and then you get like a drip of green, nasty water down the back of your neck because, mm. you know, what's in it. It's just nasty. I've gotten it in my eye before. Been like doing something in a clump of moldy grasslands in my eye. Like fucking gross. It's been fermenting you just, you underneath just that took antibiotics for through your eye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a disease waiting to happen. I remember yeah. when we were talking. Uh, who were we talking to? Uh, oh, it was um, uh, Housework. When he dipped his hand in his his quench bucket and got an infection from that, just because he had a random cut on his hand. Like I imagine that's on that same level of where you know you got fermented grass for months at a time being stuck under that deck. I had like a green like hue to my my bucket after that episode and the only thing i had ground differently was antler Ooh, so I, wow. I, I wonder if the ant, the antler provides like a food for the fungus or something but i posted a picture of it and ira messaged me he goes remember my story he goes that's what my bucket looked like it's like yeah i'm a i just put a lid on it and got a new one <laughs> just bury that gonna, in the woods gonna set this aside yeah, yeah, it's it's sitting out in my driveway. I'm gonna take it to work. Years. 
<laughs> I I mean I let the I let the metal get all the way up till it's like an island coming out of the water. Yeah. And then you yep. knock knock it over, add a little bit more water. Yep. You can't I, get rid of that stuff. It, it doesn't you can't burn it. You can't like all you can do is throw it in the trash. It's well, kind yeah. of a shame, what? but I have I have two I have two buckets. I have my dip bucket and then my catch bucket. My catch mm-hmm. bucket has like a little bit of water in it to just make sure that nothing catches on fire. And then once it gets full, I just set it to the side and then get a new bucket and then let it dry out and then just dump all the metal metal shavings, handle shavings, all the crap that's been in there. I just dump that all in the garbage. The slug. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I tried to burn it one time. It didn't work. It just turned yeah. into one giant, giant toxic coal in my fire pit. <laughs> just get a little bit, a little bit of cancer. That's all. Dude, I went out the next day and poked it with a stick. Only if you're in California. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. It'll only cause cancer <laughs> in California. This is not anywhere That's else. Right. <laughs> well, Ryan, do we want to hear from, uh, from another one of our sponsors here real quick? Yeah, let's do Maritime Knife Supply. Shout out to the man, Lawrence Lake. Hustle and Grind is sponsored by Maritime Knife Supply. Whether you're looking for steel, abrasives, handle material, forges, epoxy, or anything for making in general, Maritime Knife Supply has you covered. And in the U.S. or Canada, they ship faster than the great Cobra Chicken Gooses that their country is known for. Go to Maritime Knife Supply, and when you buy a 10-pack of belts, get 10% off. And tell them we sent you, eh? Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Luke. Uh, Luke. So speaking of... What? Go ahead. Go ahead. You go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, speaking of Maritime, I, uh, I was talking to Ryan just before the show, and I was talking about these Norax belts that I got from Lawrence. And I think... Kyle Daly, when he was on, he was telling us about these Norax belts that are kind of like the Gator belts that we always talk about, but they're from Norton, and they actually have ceramic grains in that structured abrasive. And I tried one out for the first time this week, and I went from, I really wanted to test it out, so I went straight from my 36 grit roughed in bevels to this, I think it's the equivalent of 220. I think it's like X65 or something, whatever they whatever they put it as the equivalent um, was around 220. And I went straight from 36 grit to these Norax 220s and it cleaned out those 36 grit scratches like nothing. I couldn't believe it. And it was fast too. like it wasn't, you know, normally you go from like 36 to 80 or 36 to 120 or something like that. But I just decided I wanted to just go for it and just went straight to 220. I cannot tell you how much time that saved me. That that belt was amazing. Um, I, I kind of crapped on it a little bit last week or the week before because I was talking about what a heavy backing that belt has. But when you're going right. straight from 36 to that 220, I mean, it's basically the same thickness. So it works really well. So I'm probably going to buy a couple extra grits and just kind of see what I can do with it. Because it worked really well. I mean, it was a nice 220 finish, and I went straight from that 220 to like a, a hand hand brushed uh, 220, and yeah, it worked really really great. So, um, highly recommend those. I can't. Remember. There's two of them on there. It's like a U U L. There's like a number associated with it, but anyways, great belts. Highly recommend them. 
uh, if anybody's looking to try out some new structured abrasives. I know we're always talking about structured abrasives on here, but the reality is there's still, I mean, I ground eight steak knives and that belt, like I didn't even have to hit the, hit it with a diamond stone or anything. Like it's still cutting strong. That belt is going to last for another 20 knives, probably that one belt. So yeah, it costs like 1150 for one belt. But I mean, if you're using a regular 220 belt, first of all, it wouldn't have taken out 36 scratches and it definitely would not last that long. So I was super impressed. So no, shout we out know to how Lawrence. I feel about uh, structured abrasives. We know. We know. I swear by structured abrasives. It's Oh, I mean, and I'll... I was going to say five, five minutes on a structured abrasive, you know, will save you 30 minutes hand sanding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Easily. Yeah. And Noah and I were talking about it before we started recording. And uh, my Trizac belts that I always talk about, I've been using the same set for about a year. I only oh, keep right. one of each. In, I only keep one of each in backup. You just keep resurfacing and resurfacing until there's nothing left. Yeah. And how many knives do you think you've made in that time? Hmm. Rough estimate. 130. Two and a, two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> like what? <laughs> so, so Tyler, uh, are you, are you a full-time maker now? I am a full-time maker. Uh, I've been full-time since, um, shit. Let me think. End of July, 2020. Oh, damn. So a while now. Yep. Yeah, so this July should be three years. Right on, man. That's awesome. So one of the things that I have noticed about your work that I really, it's kind of a a distinguishing feature, but you use a lot of exposed bolts. Like you don't do a lot of pins like a lot of other people do. You don't use Corby's like a lot of other people do, but you seem to really enjoy using those exposed bolts. What, uh, where did that come from? And, And kind of what led you to that, that style? Uh, so for me, um, you know, a lot of it was, you know, not only strength, um, having a nice look, but the biggest thing is, you know, being able to get that nice Damascus finish all the way around your handle, as well as having, you know, a nice polished handle. And I mean, the easiest, you know, most economical way to do that is to use a nice set of screws. And, you know, you can shape your handle, polish it, everything, pop your handle scales off, hand sand your blade to whatever finish before etching. And then you can polish and wax that whole blade, put your handles on at the end and you're done. And, you know, that's for, you know, like my hunters and a lot of like my, my regular models and stuff that I do. But at the same time, I've been steering away from that on, I would say a lot more recently in the past six months and stuff. As I push more towards, you know, doing classier, higher end blades, you know, small bowies, daggers, all sorts of stuff like that. And you know, a lot of guys, they want mosaic pins or they want to have pins in there just because of the look. And it, it is still doable to etch, you know, the around the spine of your handle and everything. It just requires a little more work, but it also um, it gives it a nicer finish. But at the same time. I'm trying to gear towards, you know, doing more of the complex knives that, 
challenge you and challenge your fit and finish and everything. And it just makes you a better maker. And so, you know, I, I cut back on the amount of custom orders that I was taking just because it was a lot of the same stuff over and over and over, you know, sit back and make 10 Damascus hunting knives, make, you know, 10 Damascus fighters, whatever. And you're making five of this pattern and five of that pattern. And it starts to kind of take the joy out of it because, you know, you, you go from having freedom to kind of make what you want to, you know, and like now you're kind of locked back into a, a regular day job. Oh, today I've got to work on hunters. Tomorrow I've got to work on hunters. The next day I've got to work on fighters. And, you know, and, you know, there's a lot of guys out there with big wait times and stuff. And I would just say, you know, don't get sucked into that, you know, taking down payments on knives and stuff like that. You're like, yeah, you get the money, but you get sucked in and fixed into just making the same thing over and over. And what, what one of your questions was before was, um, what was it? Security or something? Yeah, growth, growth or security. Yeah, so I, that's a perfect example right there. Do you want to have security of making the same knife over and over, or do you want to have growth? And that's what you have to ask yourself in that position. You know, do you want to be stuck doing that, or do you want to continue to grow yourself as a maker and make things more complex and make more complex Damascus patterns and just, you know, push your fit and finish to the next level every time you make a knife? Um, and so that's. You know, that's what I've been pushing towards doing more here, I would say, the last six months to a year. And while I still do make, you know, knives with uh, screws in the handles and stuff like that, keep them affordable for people, I still, if I'm making a couple of those, I like to make a couple extra small Bowie knives or a large Bowie or a dagger or something and just give myself freedom on that build and use whatever I want for materials and just try to make the coolest knife I can. Nice. And what what are those bolts called? They're Gulso bolts. Is that how you say it? G U L S O. Um, no. Gulso. Those um, actually. So the Gulso bolts bolts um, are made by John Gulso, or were designed by him. And he's actually from Wisconsin. He actually, speaking of Bowies, I made a vest Bowie that he came and picked up um, a couple of months ago and sat and talked to him. And he actually designed those. And now Maker Material Supply is the one that still makes them and distributes them. But what I use is just um, coated screws and uh, standoff, which is essentially just a threaded barrel that you can put through that will engage both of your handle scales and your tang of your knife. And then, you know, with a slight counter bore, your screws tighten from both sides and tighten against each other. Right. Yeah. I've, I've used those in the past. I actually, I don't think I've ever, ever actually sold something that had those, but I've been experimenting with those for quite a while. Cause I've been trying to, I don't know, kind of come up with like a, like an EDC that has like some really simple scales on it. Something that I can sell for more of a, an affordable price. So I've, I've played around with those. I have a ton of them in my shop cut to different lengths and like trying to figure out for different handle thicknesses and all that jazz. But, uh, I haven't actually made something that I was like, Oh, Hey, this has a nice enough fit and finished where I can sell it, you know? So, uh, right. it's just one of those things that you just kind of have to figure out for yourself. Um, 
but, but back to what you're talking about wanting to grow and everything. Uh, where did you actually initially learn your knife making? Where did that, who did you learn from or, or where did you learn from? I am entirely self-taught. Awesome. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I, I took a, I took a folder class with John Doyle um, a few years ago, but other than that, I am entirely self-taught. Um, I spent just shy of 10 years in CNC machining. Um, you know, so I, I worked with metal and stuff like that for years and years, machining and all sorts of different other stuff, but obviously never, you know, high carbon steels. And I'm not, you know, heating up a forge at 2000 degrees and, you know, forging stuff out, but that machinist background really helps when you're doing, you know, the complex build, you know, internal pins on a, a Bowie knife, um and you know just holding tight tolerances to get the tightest possible fit up you can on handle components and stuff like that but other than that i mean it was a lot of trial and error wow that, that that's not what i expected to hear you say uh because <laughs> the the level of quality that you put out lends itself towards somebody who's at least had some sort of formal training that that is incredible so you've been making for how long then um about five and a half years god almighty five and a half years completely self-taught wow okay yeah so you want to know the best part here when i went on forge and fire and did the battle of the branches i had been making knives for a year nice that's awesome and you know i mean uh... <laughs> go, go ahead <laughs> I don't have anything to say. Uh, uh, holy shit. Uh, okay. I mean, my, you know, my so knives I've... at one year did not look like that. I'll, I'll just put it out there. My knives at one year did not look like that. So how much time did you spend in the shop? Your first, first year? Oh, eh, probably a lot less now that you say that, because I've always been a part-time maker. So I've always worked a full day job and just kind of been in the shop, you know, a couple hours after work. And then, you know, eight to 16 hours on the weekends, depending on the weekend. So, right. So, I mean, that is, which is, that's actually a pretty good amount. Um, so the, you know, we talk about forge and fire. One of the things that's misleading on the show is you get a guy on there who's like, Oh, I've been, I've been making blades for eight years. Well, how much time do you spend in your shop in the eight years as, as a part-time maker, you know, and sometimes guys are like 10, 12 hours on Saturday. That's it. So, you know, and I, and I was working a full-time job as a plant manager at that machine shop while I started diving into knife making. But like when I started diving in, I dove in because of Damascus, you know, the art of that Damascus is because essentially you're only limited on your Damascus pattern by your mind. What can you come up with? What sort mm -hmm. of, you know, trial and error of new patterns can you do to make you know something crazy that nobody else has ever made before and that i mean that still drives me today so when i first started you know obviously i i had a crappy little harbor freight anvil that was cast iron and i don't think it was hardened at all because you'd hit it and put a hammer mark in it every time every time yeah you I, know, I, i'm familiar I, with that I, anvil <laughs> right exactly <laughs> Forge, you know, forge some bottle openers, forge this and that, start taking, you know, um, railroad spikes and learning how to move metal, you know, and like I would start following guys on Instagram and stuff like that and just watch them like hammering stuff out and everything. And, you know, 
how do you move this? How do you move that? What's the most efficient way to do it? And then, I, you know, I kind of worked up in my first couple of months to, okay, I'm going to stick some different pieces of steel together and make my first Damascus. Well, with a hammer, it's a son of a bitch. It is, so yes. after I made my first few, you know, and I set out to, um, you know, and I, I didn't, I didn't have a ton of ton of money at the time, just paying my bills, doing knife making as a hobby. Um, so everything I made from knife making just went back into knife making, and that's when I turned around and said, I I need to build a press. You know, I I have a machinist background. I can take a log splitter and turn it into a halfway decent press. Um, and that's what I did. And then from there, I mean, you can go from hammering Damascus with a hammer um, and making it that way to a press. And you go from, you know, being able to do Damascus at this level to taking it way up here almost instantly as you, you know, can move steel oh, yeah. 50 times faster. Only 50? definitely way faster yeah way faster <laughs> it's awesome but i mean when you it's... you do that and you're self-taught it's it takes a lot you know like i say a lot of trial and error but if you continue to to look at yourself like just tell yourself you don't have everything figured out you know and i'm always trying to constantly think of how i can do things better more efficient more accurately faster um and if you keep that mindset you just you find ways to do things better and better and better on your own where i feel like you know maybe if somebody had showed me a bunch of stuff i wouldn't have developed my process of how i make my knives the exact same way and maybe i might not be anywhere near as good as i am right now that's a very yeah. interesting perspective i like that I mean, not to say that I'm like That's amazing me. or anything, but <laughs> I don't know, man. Your your work is incredibly clean and clean, and um, I I I can't say this for sure, but I think you're the first, if not one of the first people who I saw put Damascus under a stainless sand mine. Yeah. So and yeah. So when I started doing the Damascus go mine, um. You know, that was, that's been years. And the cool thing was I actually had a buddy that I served in Iraq with who was like, dude, so like, I want to, can we put like stainless and Damascus and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, how about this? How about, you know, let's do a nice solid core steel. We'll slap 50 layers on both sides and try to put stainless on the outside and see what happens. And, you know, it was just instant hit people what is this steel what is this and this was you know um before coy baker and baker fortune tool and everybody took off you know and just are crazy busy and stuff and i want to say i've had that uh go my steel in magazines at least three or four times now and it's it's something that um you know i kind of pride myself in. i call it my signature go my but uh it's one of my favorites for sure Oh, myself as well. Yeah, you, I, I, you were the inspiration for me to try doing Damascus under a stainless sand mine, and I just, I love the way that that looks. It's such a cool, interesting way to to highlight the different types of steel and the fact that you can right. ma manipulate the the stainless 
in certain ways to allow the the Damascus underneath to show through in certain ways. And it's such a cool, versatile yeah. way to to do it. Yeah, I mean, the uh, I, you know, I think the first time I made it, I, I put nickel, pure nickel in between the core and in between the um, the Damascus and the stainless. And then, you know, came down to like I was running low on nickel one time, but I still wanted to highlight the core. So I didn't put it between the Damascus and the stainless and it comes out and you're just like, Ooh, carbon transfer. <laughs> yeah. I love that carbon transfer line. The way it just, it makes oh, the yeah. whole piece look more, more dynamic. It gives it such more depth of feel when yep. you're looking at it. It just, it, there's something about it. Right. So now the next challenge um, I have is so just recently in the last week or two, um, I did do a Damascus sand mine with copper. So my goal is to oh. set out and make my make signature go my with copper on both sides of the core. Um, but obviously the trick is there that you can't forge weld your stainless to your Damascus and your copper all at the same time because uh, you'll have liquid copper. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. What kind of temperature? Well, you say that, but there's um, we had uh, Tobias Hangler on the show a while ago, and he actually has done a piece where he took a it wasn't Damascus. It was, a, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, it was a solid piece of carbon and then a copper and then a stainless jacket. And he forged that all together. So in that case, it would work. Because at the specific temperature for copper, what you're using, your copper is the glue. So you're trying to glue with copper. But mm -hmm. now, like in my signature Go My billet, now when I forge weld stainless, when I'm forge welding stainless to high carbon steel, I run my temperatures quite a bit warmer than what I forge weld copper at. So, you know, I, 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 honestly, I, I put a go my billet together and I put some copper in there and I heated that baby up like I was going to set a regular go my billet and I seal welded the entire thing and it went <laughs> and copper and shot everywhere. And copper it went, everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Liquid molten oh. copper. Because, oh. you know, so you're forge welding the stainless to the carbon steel and then you're also trying to forge weld, you know, or stick your copper in there without making it molten copper. Um, so nonetheless, then, then I turned around, I was like, okay, I know what the temperature is. I need to, you know, just focus on forge welding the copper. And so I did that Damascus Samai with copper. So my thought process now is, you know, normally I would take my, my core steel, boom, put my 50 layers of Damascus, my nickel in between, put my stainless on the outside and seal weld the entire thing forge weld it all together in one go but to do that with copper i'm going to have to forge weld my stainless to my damascus separately draw it out right and okay. then stack yeah. it up like a sand mine you know where those those are, i've got my jacket steels and my core three pieces boom put my copper in there and then just focus on the temperature that it takes to forge weld the copper because the melting point of copper is what, like nineteen hundred degrees? Is that correct? Sixteen, yeah. I think. It's, no, it's it's nineteen hundred. Nineteen. 
Yeah, and, it's, and when, you know, you're, it's a when you're very fine line, right around nineteen hundred degrees. Yeah, when you're forge welding stainless to carbon, I mean, you want to be up above two thousand, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm normally I'm, shooting for probably like twenty two plus. Okay, yeah, I I go off of I in my forge currently when I'm when I'm forging stainless. Right. Yes, um, screaming bright it, yellow. It's it's basically as, as hot as my cheap little forge can get it. That's where I need it to be to forge stainless properly. Oh, um, absolutely. But, but yeah, that, uh, that copper is a little more finicky. Yeah. I haven't tried the copper just cause I don't think I have quite the temperature control needed to, to, to make it successful every time. And I don't want to be just wasting material over and over again. Right. Do you have an oven? I, I have an oven. Yes. So how high does your oven go? Mm, I think it's rated to go up to like 2,200 degrees. Are you saying that I should forge mold in my oven? You absolutely should. Oh, you oh. do have cheap power where you live too. You got that cheap electricity. So here's what I did. I put a plate. Put a billet like together. A plate in the bottom of my oven to protect it in mm-hmm. case, you know, some copper did leak out and some some point in the forging process and not completely damage the insulating brick. But the other nice thing with doing that, so, you know, however deep your oven is, I would say put a, put a quarter inch plate in there. That is the width of it and say, however long you're going to forge your copper steel out. Okay. Put it in there, whether it's the whole length of the oven or whatever. And it's going to take a long time to heat up because it's also heating up the thermal mass of your quarter inch plate. But, Right. That plate is going to retain that heat in there insanely oh. better than when you just go in there and you pull a billet out or, you know, think right. about when you pull a knife out of there to quench it. Like you're, you got to move fast because you're losing color. But right. the second you go for a jet billet and, you know, it's, it's not a very hot temperature, 1900 degrees isn't crazy bright yellow like we're forging Damascus and stuff in our forges and things like that, you can't move it a whole lot, you know? So you got to get over there, be fast, forge weld it, move it a little bit, throw it back in, but it heats up that much faster with all of that thermal mass of that metal plate in there so that you're not of like, course, okay, yeah. now I got to throw this back in here and wait 10, 15 minutes for it to heat back up. So with as accurate as you need to be with copper, definitely use your oven. This is a very hot tip for the listeners out there. That is, <laughs> I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I don't want to give uh, all the Ryan, tips away. Okay, well, <laughs> I, I gave away one of mine last week, but we we gave it. We we do an after show now for our our patrons get to listen to an after show. So I gave away one of my hot tips last week and uh, got some good feedback on it. So that was nice. Oh, nice. Um. But speaking of which, that was a hand sanding hot tip. Uh, Ryan, do we want to uh, do we want to hear from our, our sponsor that carries all those sorts of abrasives that you would need for that sort of thing? Sure. Hustle and Grind podcast is sponsored by Phoenix Abrasives, your one-stop abrasive shop. When you go to phoenixabrasives.com, click the shop icon in the upper right-hand corner to find all the abrasives you'll ever need. Check out the Incinerator 36-grit ceramic belts, along with the Trizact gator belts that the hosts of Hustle & Grind use every day. 
When you check out, use code HUSTLE10 for 10% off your entire order. Thanks, Luke. Uh, so before we go, or before we get any further here, I should say, um, I just wanted to quickly shout out as well. Um, Brian Hunt from Hidden Rose Forge is doing a raffle uh, to help pay for uh, some eye surgery for his daughter. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, his daughter has a rare eye condition and it wasn't covered. The surgery that she needs isn't covered by their insurance because insurance companies are bastards. Uh, so absolutely to help pay for that, he's doing another waffle. Yeah. Yeah. We all know. Uh, so uh, just quickly run through that. Everybody loves waffles. It's, it's freaking great. And this, I mean, uh, Brian hunt does some really, really good work. So, uh, the, the prize for the raffle is a winner's choice chef or a hunter. So you get to choose, uh, he did say that if he does sell enough tickets, then he's going to throw in a second one. So there will potentially be up to two chef and or uh, hunters, depending on what the winner wants. Um, like I said, the proceeds go for her eye surgery. Um, he's going to run it for about two or three weeks. There is going to be unlimited entries because this is basically a fundraiser to try and try and get the surgery taken care of. Um, you can go to his his page, which is Brian Hunt Hidden Rose Forge on Instagram. Uh, he's going to have a link to his website in his bio. You can go straight to his website to buy tickets. Uh, or if you prefer, you can just shoot him a DM, uh, PayPal or whatever to, to buy tickets there. Uh, tickets are only 10 bucks each. So super easy to go in there and support a fellow maker, uh, support his family. You know, uh, it's a really crappy situation that, that he's been put in or that his family's been put in. So we definitely want to support him in that like we always do. Um, we always support the the people in the community that need help, and we love doing that. So, uh, please, everybody, go check out uh, that fundraiser for Brian Hunt's daughter. Absolutely, Absolutely. I'm you- probably going to be doing a big raffle soon. Yeah, to let's hear it. Yeah, to fund my trip to Blade, I think I'm going to raffle off a whole kitchen set. Are you oh, really? Nice. I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Actually, I'm like 95% sure I'm going to do it. Yeah, so a six-piece kitchen set with a magnetic stand. Look at you. That's fancy. What kind of magnetic yeah. stand? A homemade one. Oh, okay. <laughs> Very descriptive. It's one with, mag- well, it's one with re- magnets? It, it's really got to be like yeah. the, the winner's choice because you don't know what kitchen setup people have, so it'll either be one you hang on the wall or it'll be a freestanding one you put on the, on the, uh, you know, counter counter counter. yeah. Or if they have a really small kitchen, I can do blade guards for all the blades, whatever any, whoever wins wants. So nice. Right on. Okay. Well, we'll look forward to that in the future. I should actually be having a, an exciting raffle coming up as well. Um, I haven't, haven't had a chance to post a whole lot on it yet. But uh, I've been doing a lot of work back and forth with Palm Green Tools. I'm sure you guys have seen them. Um, and, you know, they brought a bunch of tools to my shop. Uh, a small, like, benchtop mill, lathe, grinder, variable speed buffer, uh, drill press, and a bunch of stuff. And they actually came up and filmed videographer two and a half days um me making a v42 damascus stiletto from start to finish using their tools um wow but the biggest thing is 
So if you guys remember, obviously, I made a V-42 for my very first part of the Army episode. Um, so that was kind of like my entry, you know, into, you know, being a being a relatively decently known knife maker. Um, so the V-42 is also has Army history in the military as well. But so I made that knife. They came, filmed it. Um, and the plan is to raise as much money as possible raffling that knife and then they're also going to bring it bring it and display it at blade show do raffle there as well and that's an it's an unlimited tickets type of thing um and the winner will win the dagger but the amount of money that we raise for the raffle tickets on the dagger is going to be matched by the president of the company there at ch anson and palmgren and then all that money is going to be donated to building homes for heroes. So that's going to be a really great cause. Nice. And, and when can when can people look into this? Um, so I have just got to do the leather work on it, which uh, had a nice blackened wrought iron pommel on it, a Damascus guard, Damascus sandmite blade, and a reddish black ash burl handle. So I'm going to be using black and red shark for the sheath. Um, and then Jeez. they've got to finish up, you know, their their videography portion to kind of make a little advertising thing with it and really drum it up. Um, so I would say hopefully within the next month or so, we're going to start drumming it up. And we're hoping to get kind of like a third party, you know, raffle site where people can just go, hey, click the link, buy raffle spots. You know, so people from anywhere, whether they're at Blade Show or they're on my Instagram or whatever, can purchase tickets all at the same t site, you know, and all that money goes into one spot and we can just raise as much as possible. So, as soon awesome. as it's ready. All right. Well, so people, people just need to go follow Wolf River Forge on Instagram and keep an eye on that if they're not going to be at Blade to, uh, to get involved then. Absolutely. Right on. Well, guys, do we want to do some uh, some fake news? <laughs> okay. So, so T Tyler, you probably don't know what we're talking about here, but uh, this is a this is a little segment we do where I read off three headlines. After I'm done reading off all three headlines, you, Ryan, and all of our lovely listeners get to try and guess which one of these headlines is satire. Fake news, BS, complete fabrication. And I'm just going to go ahead and read them off right now. So we there's begin. just one that's a lie and two are true? One, one that's a lie, two are that are true. And some of these are listener okay. submitted and some aren't. So we'll get into that afterwards. <clears throat> so Florida man builds giant boat in backyard, quote, because the voices told him to. Next up, Florida woman calls for sugar daddy slash mama appreciation day. <laughs> and lastly, a man dual wielding raw steaks slaps diners in the face at a vegan restaurant yelling, quote, if you don't eat your meat, you can't have any pudding. <laughs> You and, know, and I see Ryan's Ryan's face right now because <laughs> I I saw I saw that Ryan had shared this one on a story, um, but it was also sent to me, and I apologize to whoever sent it to me. I couldn't find it, uh, so 
but Ryan need Ryan probably knows that not everything on the internet is true. So it is entirely possible that even though he shared it to his story, it still could just be a fake headline. No way. I'm a perpetrator of fake news. I did not read that article. I read the headline and I said, and I posted it. (laughs) I have no idea. All right. So, so we're just going to recap here. Florida man builds giant boat in backyard quote, because the voices told him to. Florida woman calls for a sugar daddy slash sugar mama appreciation day. And a man dual wielding raw steak slaps diners in the face at a vegan restaurant yelling, if you don't eat your meat, you can't have any pudding. Mm. Where's the fake news? I'm going to go with the meat slapping. Although I feel like any one of these stories could be entirely (laughs) true in today's world. Yeah, that's usually what Noah goes for. It's got to be believable as well as fake. Ah, right. Since I posted it, I'm going to say since I posted it, I'm a bad Internet guy and I posted fake news. Probably that's probably fake. Tyler, what are you thinking? Yeah, I'm I'm thinking it's uh, the fake news with the slapping people in the face with the stakes. All right, both of you, final answer. You can't eat your meat. If, yep. you, if you don't eat your meat, you can't have your pudding. I'm sorry, boys. That one is entirely true. A man really oh, did wow. run into a vegan restaurant <laughs> slapping people in the face with raw meat. A, a Florida woman really did call for a sugar daddy appreciation day. But unfortunately, uh, a Florida man did not build a giant boat in his backyard because the voices told him to. Uh, that one was courtesy of Todd Harrington. So thank you, Todd. Thanks, Todd. Uh, the, the Florida woman uh, that was uh, Chandler Knives on Instagram. Thank you very much. And again, I'm sorry. I can't remember who who sent me the uh, the raw steak slap. But uh, if it, uh, the 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 first so the the fake one the Florida man builds giant boat in backyard because the voices told him to was off of a list of uh, different Florida man stories that Todd sent me that were based on uh, biblical stories where people took random biblical stories and turned them into Florida man headlines. So the Florida man builds giant boat in backyard quote because the voices told him to is a Florida man story based on my namesake of Noah in the Bible where he built a giant boat in his backyard. So I figured that was appropriate. Interesting. There's nothing yeah. to say that a Todd, Todd says man or a Minnesota man didn't have voices telling him to make a boat though. Lately, it's been Ohio man. Ohio man's having a serious <laughs> rivalry with Florida man. Right. Yeah, that's weird. You wouldn't think so. I don't but, know. I've never been oh. to Ohio, but I mean, have you met Jeremy? I mean, Jeremy says some weird stuff. Just kidding. I love you, Jeremy. Jeremy Ballaball? Yeah. <laughs> He's from Ohio? Yeah. You maybe, know that? Maybe he, maybe he knows what's going on. Ohio's been wiling out lately. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't heard from him on it. But, uh, but yeah, I was actually just talking to him earlier today. Him and Beacon are doing some heat treating today up in Ohio. But we've had – I mean, it's surprising. There are actually a lot of knife makers in Ohio. I didn't really think of it as uh, like a hotbed for knife making, but there's quite a few guys out there. Um, I think Chumney, Chumney Knives is out there. Yep. Jeremy's out there. Um, there's a, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm forgetting you, but there, there are a lot of really great knife makers out there in Ohio. So 
Apparently, they're think, just dodging uh, all of the crazy Jesse people. Jesse Miller as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. What do you say uh, we uh, wrap this up, switch over to the after show? I think it's about that time, guys. So I if think... are you going to go ahead and play us a little uh, little Patreon ditty there? Yeah, I'm going to play us out Patreon ditty and some intro. And if you're not a patron, you don't get to listen to it. I'm sorry. You're bumming. But if you are a patron, we love you. And, and we'll see you soon. Canceled. Yeah. <laughs> you're listening to the Hustle and Grind podcast. A podcast for all the makers out there, hustling and grinding every day to turn their dreams into reality. If you'd like to show your support, you can go to patreon.com backslash hustlinggrind. And for as little as one dollar a month, you can help us all keep hustling and grinding. And remember, every time H&G gets a new patron, an angel gets its wings. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. Thanks, Tyler. Appreciate it.